This episode is brought to you by the Metasearch Institute. What happens when patients' cases become too complex to solve in a typical 30-minute visit? Well, you've all had those super thick, super deep patient histories nobody's looked at in a long time and gone back through. Well, I'll tell you what happens is those patients bounce around from doc to doc without getting any answers or making any progress. These patients are trapped and lost in a maze. Well, Metasearch is here for those doctors and for those patients. Their motto is, we solve the unsolvable. Their process is rather simple. Dr. Trent Talbot, the founder, assigns a team of medical detectives, typically three MDs and one PhD, to each case. They research the latest breakthroughs and clinical trials, and they elicit the opinions of 10 to 15 world-leading experts per case. They purposefully seek out experts who will come at each case from a different perspective, the Bainesian method. Altogether, they will put in over 250 MD hours for every case. That means 500 times the amount of brain power that a typical doctor can afford to offer. Nobody can do what Metasearch does. Call 832-968-6667. That's 832-968-6667 to be in touch. You know, most problems in healthcare are fixed already. Primary care is already cured on the fringes. Reversing burnout, physician shortages, bad business models, forced buyouts, factory medicine, high deductible insurance that squeezes the docs and is totally inaccessible to most of the employees. The big squeeze is always on for docs. It's the acceleration of cost and the deceleration of reimbursements. I want you to meet those on this show that are making a difference with host Ron Barshop, CEO of Beacon Clinics. That's me. The shortage of physicians is a myth. We have an efficiency problem, says Harvard Business Review. Yes, primary care doctors are needed in rural areas and rough urban areas, but artificial intelligence and algorithms targeting well and using extenders and mid-levels and nurse practitioners with true formal and informal clinical training are answers. According to this article, Feds don't reimburse nurse practitioners, unfortunately, or physician assistant residency, so it's not even a thing, versus $650 million a year, subsidizing $60,000 a year physician residents. Direct primary care coalition suggests that it's not the numbers, it's the model, stupid, and the transaction-centered EHR machine that we have is not an efficient machine. So the business model matters, too. I am betting on direct contracting with PCPs, plus algorithms smarting patient decisions. So eventually artificial intelligence to deliver a future where everyone wins with fewer physicians and larger panels is the answer in my book. That's what I'm literally betting on. And this recent Harvard Business Review article is painting a picture of 25,000 patients per doctor ratio. I can't see that happening, but I can see in the next couple of years, 2,800 to 3,500 maybe even as many as 5,000 per provider. If you're powering patient-centered algorithms decision support, so giving them the next thing they need to do at home can really expand these panels. So on our show today are a couple of folks that really are an expert at this subject, not just physician extension, but are using algorithms to give the best patient care through the primary care provider. Gil Addo is CEO and co-founder of Rubicon MD, a digital health platform 
that allows PCPs to access same-day e-consults from virtually every specialist you could imagine. Huffington Post named Rubicon MD one of the five companies defining the future of healthcare. Quite a compliment indeed. Gill has appeared in Inc., Forbes, CNBC, and Fortune magazine, as it has been named one of Forbes 30 under 30 in healthcare, and he received the same honor from Crane's New York Business and from Business Insiders. In 2017, Crane's New York named Gill as their Heritage Healthcare Innovator of the Year. He holds a BS in economics and biomedical engineering from Yale and an MBA for Harvard. He's no dummy. Carlos Reynas, his co-founder, is president of the company, and in 2019, he was selected as the Young Global Leader by the World Economic Forum. He obtained his engineering degree at the Polytech Madrid with a specialization in biomedical engineering at the Technical University of Delft in the Netherlands. And he also holds an MBA from Harvard MBA School. Carlos and Gil, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Ron. Great. Well, so is the shortage of physicians a myth? So one of the things we've observed in, um, in the work we do is that access to primary care remains a challenge across the country. Um, it is not exclusively driven by the fact that there could be a shortage of physicians. Um, in fact, you know, we, we calculate that about half of the country um, will struggle with um, access to care, whether it's because of um, being in a rural location, insurance, or just simply wait time. So I think that we're, while we will see shortage um, of physicians being an issue in many places of, of the country, um, there are many other factors, um, primarily around the business model and making sure that people can afford getting access to care, which um, in today's world um, seem to be more more prevalent. And, and we've found those issues to be um, prevalent not only in rural settings, but also um, in urban settings where, you know, you may be um, living next door to an academic medical center or um, other practices, but um, lacking the right insurance or, or, or the right um, means to, to pay for healthcare becomes um, a pretty um, pretty high um, barrier to, uh, to accessing the, the care that, uh, that patients deserve. So, Gill in Texas, we have 254 counties, of which 50 have no doctors. Another 50 has one doctor. Our three largest counties uh, have the least population um, and also have all, virtually no doctors in them. Talk about Rubicon MD and how the decision support that you're giving primary care sort of extends them and gives them superpowers so that patients don't have to travel quite so much anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, what we've found is that um, by getting any consult, so a very, very quick text-based opinion, um, you're able to avoid the need um, for a lot of downstream care and services. So um, almost half the time when you get the e-consult, you don't need to then follow up and travel or the patient doesn't need to travel to go see the specialist. Um, and so that's helpful on both sides because um, one you've gotten an opinion in a couple hours versus a few weeks or a few months two um, you're able to avoid unnecessary travel and um, services for the patient which in texas you know i have um, a good friend who said that you know when she was a child they used to have to travel two hours to the pediatric um, hospital um, to be seen um, and so 
you can't for certain subspecialties. Um, and so you can't quantify all of the um, time saved for the patient and the convenience. Um, but what you can quantify um, is the cost savings to the system when you um, don't have costly downstream services and tests and um, things that um, are pretty much all avoided by being able to get that access to the specialist very quickly. Are there times when you need to have multiple specialists? I would imagine, let's talk about C19. It's not only a pulmonary uh, uh, affect, but it's also affecting the vascular system in a big way and the digestive system. Are you pulling together consults with multiple specialists sometimes? Yeah, um, and I think it's one of the most powerful things about the platform. Um, patients with complex um, conditions and co several comorbidities, you're able to get um, several different specialties to weigh in at the same time, or seven, several specialists from the same specialty even. Um, and they can have a dialogue in what would probably take months um, in touring several specialists and then difficulty coordination, coordinating and getting notes um, can all be done in the span of a few hours um, with great coordination among the different specialties weighing in. Um, and that's pretty powerful when you have cases where um, the patient does have to have um, several different um, areas of expertise weigh in. Just chiming to, to give you an example, because you, you've talked about um, nurse practitioners before. We're actually um, a few months ago on the phone with a nurse practitioner who's a current user of Rubicon MD, and she was actually painting um, the, the example here for us. She said, I, I saw the patient in the clinic and I had questions on the follow-up. I wasn't sure what to do. So I decided to submit my question to neurology, neurosurgery, and psychiatry. And by the end of the day, I had responses from all three specialists. I could use their input to understand what was my next uh, step in care. And that meaningfully changed my ability to do more in primary care. How is that compared to I'm going to refer my patient out to go see three specialists over the next few months. Half of the times won't happen. Half of the times I likely won't get the notes back. This is truly um, giving me an ability to um, optimize care for my patient and do as much as possible here on site while I'm learning. Yeah, it's, it's almost like, uh, I, I love the name Rubicon because once you cross Rubicon, you never go back. Once you see a system that's this clean and elegant and frictionless, what you're, you can't imagine, we actually, Dick, we stepped it out and we figured out that there's 51 steps to be referred to a specialist in traditional care today. And it starts with a 1973 technology called a fax. So uh, it's ridiculous, but that is, you go with the facts and you talk about the driving to and from, you talk about the waiting at, the clipboards, the handing over your cards for co-pays, getting these bills that are completely confusing um, after the specialist visit and then after the procedure and getting your medications. It's 51 steps. And that's if it's, you know, really efficient. Um, what, how many steps would you guess that you've got your system down to? It seems like it's, the doctor is essentially Getting the consult, is the patient on the phone too, or is it just the PCP that's talking to the specialist? It's, it's just the PCP. Um, so the workflow is uh, the PCP will see the patient and then access our platform. Um, sometimes they can launch it through their EMR. Sometimes they just access through our web portal. And once they're in the platform, they choose a specialty out of a list with 120 specialties and subspecialties that we cover. Um, they provide a brief description, so enough information to help the specialist understand um, 
what's the relevant um, background, you know, uh, prior history, presentation, symptoms, um, and then they'll ask a question. They'll share their thoughts and, and ask a question. Um, and typically within two to three hours, they hear back from um, for specialists and that helps them um, make a more informed decision on, on next steps. Um, so, so it does remove um, a lot of those unnecessary steps out of the process. Um, one to keep in mind um, and to be fair with primary care clinicians is that this requires them to spend more time, right? Because they are doing the right thing, they're investing um, in their patient's care, but it takes a bit longer to figure this out rather than just referring this out to somebody else and you know, making it somebody else's problem. So um, while this reduces the total cost of care and it reduces the complexity, the wait time and the steps for the patient, um, it can mean a bit more work for the primary care clinician. And that's why in all scenarios, we will advocate for primary care clinicians being given the time, um, the space, and the compensation and recognition for investing more time in doing better patient care. Okay. So I have a question about who's writing the check for this. Is this the carriers that are writing the check for this, or is the MD paying a little extra for this, or who, who is actually your customer? The benefit to Rubicon MD um, from a financial perspective um, is that you are streamlining care up front, so you're reducing downstream costs in terms of tests um, that might not um, be necessary in terms of visits to the specialists that um, aren't necessary, um, ER visits, hospitalizations, all of those downstream costs, um, some of which are avoided up front, some of which are avoided by getting um, better care support and improving the care plan. Those all accrue to whoever would have paid for those specialty costs. So what we say is whoever's at risk for specialty costs. Um, and that tends to take two flavors. Um, that can be the health plan in many settings, um, but what we're seeing and where we've um, really been uh, focused is groups that are practicing value-based care. Um, so groups that are um, incented to provide um, better care at a lower cost um, at the provider level. Um, and so that's really who our, our core client is. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Value-based care is doing everything they can to keep their costs down, and they would love to get you to be engaged to do exactly that. Um, boy, C19 has to really have helped your model. Um, fee for service, I call it the walking dead. It's like a zombie land out there because I'm in it. We have uh, allergy clinics in these fee-for-service clinics, the big ones, small ones, and um, the volume is down 65 75%. So uh, it's just a matter of time before the second wave hits, and, and uh, a lot of guys hanging on by their fingernails are in deep, really deep trouble. Um, so value-based care makes perfect sense. I guess that's where it's all evolving to, and that's going to help your model. Um, so let's talk about a complicated case like a psychiatric visit. There's um, apparently a, an onset of a diagnosis in psychiatry or, or psychotherapy of 11 years between onset and actual discovery. So, you know, the human brain is like a, it's like a lot, every, every case is like a crime scene and uh, your job is to unlock it. So one in five people before COVID-19 had mental illness or mental issues. And uh, that number is going to be a whole lot higher. How does e-consult work with something that deeply personal where the PCP isn't actually a psychiatrist or psychotherapist? You know, what we've found um, is that primary care, um, not only are they not psychiatrists, but um, they tend to shy away from um, going 
too deep um, with patients that have serious behavioral mental health conditions um, because if you ask the question and you don't have a way to um, support the patient depending on the answer, um, you don't really accomplish anything. And so um, what we've found is that being able to provide additional support um, for or for um, primary care clinicians that are treating these patients um, is one of the primary pain points um, in primary care settings. Um, excuse the uh, excuse the pun. Um, but what we've seen is that um, what you end up um, being able to do is if you can get a psychiatrist, um, we have a number of subspecialties, um, to weigh in early, um, they can help to guide and inform the care plan up front. Um, and so we have um, a number of psychiatric subspecialties, um, geriatric, maternal fetal medicine, um, several other, excuse me, maternal mental health, um, and several other psychology areas, um, licensed clinical social workers um, who can all provide support. Um, and what we've done is we've gone deeper, um, and we announced uh, last week, in fact, um, a deeper behavioral mental health offering um, that allows really more comprehensive support um, including education and additional um, off-ramps to patient care um, for um, patients with behavioral mental health conditions. So we really want to provide um, within primary care um, a full set of support tools and um, offerings to allow them to manage patients with behavioral mental health conditions. And we know um, from what all the data says that, you know, Cost tied to behavioral mental health is maybe 5% of the US, the spending US healthcare system. Um, but patients with um, behavioral mental health conditions account for more than third, a third of the cost in the healthcare system. So if you don't manage those conditions well, none of the other physical health um, is really going to um, fall into place. And so you have to be able to do that so that patients remain adherent, so that they make it to their appointment um, so that they can manage their other conditions, their diabetes, whatever those other things are. Um, and so it's really helping to address the root of what a lot of the other issues are um, that primary care is seeing. So, so Carlos, uh, Gil mentioned adherence. Is there anything in the Rubicon model, the e-consults that allows for monitoring adherence of the medications in the case of psychiatrists or could be insulin or could be albuterol. What, what is built into your platform to make sure that the, the meds are take, being taken? Well, in, in those cases, um, more so than um, monitoring adherence where we help primary care clinicians is to understand to constantly get guidance from a specialist on what the next step should be. So they will be managing their patients um, how they do it traditionally. But at any point in time, they can reach out to an endocrinologist, right? If, it, if it's a diabetes patient or if it's, you know, substance abuse, whatever the specialty is, they can reach out constantly and get that input from, um, from a Rubicon MD specialist. One of the things that um, I wanted to add to what Gil said before is in particular for mental health, because there is, um, there are so many models, right? There is, um, all the push around integration of um, BH within primary care, but obviously um, different groups are in different stages of their journey. What we've done is we've made our platform very flexible and we enable the ability to 
bring your own specialists onto the Rubicon MD platform. So if you happen to have to be a primary care clinic where you have some access to psychiatry, what we can do is we can bring those psychiatrists on board our platform and prioritize so that if at any point in time there is a question to psychiatry from one of your primary care clinicians, it can be assigned to your local psychiatrist first or mental health specialist first. We give them a time window. If they answer, great. If they don't, then they can fall back to the Rubicon and the national panel. And that's really how we've been able to um, find the, um, the, uh, the best balance between um, leveraging your local relationships, because we know healthcare is local, but at the same time, having that buck up to make sure that whatever the question is, whatever the specialty is, the PCP gets a five-star response within the day, which is our, our promise to them. So Gil, um, the, the Defense Department has a very interesting credentialing. If you're a doctor in, or specialist in one state, you're in all 50 states because they have enormous shortages in the VA and the defense health. Um, we don't have that in America until C-19 hits and suddenly everybody's credentialed everywhere, which is short term, but it's, uh, it's an interesting fix for your company because you have 120 specialties, you have 50 states. That means you have to have 120 docs lined up in 50 locations, 50 states that are credentialed. Do you think that this temporary credentialing and allowing cross-state uh, credentialing is going to be expanded beyond COVID-19? Yeah, I mean, you know, so first on the way we structured our service, um, what we did, the reason we created um, the service that to be not the reason, but one of the benefits of creating the service as an information platform between clinicians um, is that we explicitly make sure that um, our clinicians aren't the on the specialty side aren't the ones practicing medicine, um, so they don't need to be credentialed across every state. Um, as long as there's a treating clinician that's credentialed in that state um, who manages the patient-physician relationship and um, maintains what we consider the, the duty of care. Um, and that's kind of one of the pieces about e-consults that allows them to remain a lightweight opinion um, to support a treating um, clinician. Um, so that's how we've kind of built Rubicon MD and allowed it to scale. It doesn't take away the challenge um, that you see across telemedicine. Um, it doesn't really make sense for, you know, um, a doctor who's in Boston um, to be able to see, see a patient, um, but the second they travel across the border to Rhode Island, um, the, that environment is so different that they can no longer um, treat and manage patients. Um, and obviously with the world going virtual, um, it's started to um, highlight, hasn't started, it's really just further highlighted, um, you know, how ridiculous that is that we've put that, um, that restriction in place. I don't know that it'll change um, or remain permanent, but I do know, you know, that the guidance that we've had um, and that um, folks have um, at the CMS level um, have indicated is that they don't expect us to go back to where we were. So where that means we end up landing, um, you know, we don't know and, and it's anybody's guess, but we're not going to go all the way back to where we were. So, um, and at least things around the telehealth parity, which is, I think, still a huge step forward, um, are highly, highly valuable um, for moving us forward. Um, and then the cross-state licensure, we probably won't go, um, remain exactly where we are today, but I think that there have been some meaningful strides um, and people will start to see the benefits of 
what you can do um, if you just have a more pragmatic system that really becomes transformational for care. Um, so we talked about downstream costs being saved. Do you actually have some numbers that you can tout since you've been around since 2013? That if you're talking to a large value-based care, we had Chris Crow with Catalyst. Um, we're going to have uh, uh, we're going to have a gentleman with Village MD in Houston um, on our show. They're very large groups and uh, value-based care groups here in Texas and throughout. Um, what what is your pitch to these guys to have them join uh, the Rubicon platform? Yes, we, we have indeed observed a very consistent reporting of outcomes. So what we do is we have um, primary care clinicians indicate um, at the end of the consult, they, they indicate um, how the e-consult changed their course of action. Um, and it's been very consistent across different states, different um, uh, demographics. Roughly half of the e-consults result in avoiding an unnecessary referral test or procedure. Um, and in, in, in pretty much all cases, we've worked with our partners to quantify that. Um, it obviously depends on you know, whether we're working with a Medicaid commercial or, or, or Medicare uh, group, but roughly you could, um, you could see on average five to $600 of savings per e-consult. And that means some of them will just be peace of mind for the clinician and some of them will um, save thousands of dollars on the necessary cost but very consistently um, it's averaging to be north of um, $500, which um, it is great because it makes the model very sustainable. I think the number one thing we do is help primary care clinicians drive better outcomes. That is first and foremost, what we do, they're able to improve their care plans using Rubicon MD, and that is and will remain the goal. Um, some people say we are able to achieve the same, um, the same uh, financial outcomes as some of the utilization management interventions, but the beauty is that we are the opposite. We're not a barrier. We are a support tool helping the clinician make more informed decisions. And as a byproduct of that, uh, unnecessary services are avoided. And that resonates really well with um, value-based care organizations because it's not just that it um, aligns really well with their business model, it's that their clinicians are already in that quadruple aim mindset where they have, they, to my point earlier, they are enabled, trained, and wired to do preventative care, to invest in patient care, and to optimize for patient experience, outcomes, and reduction of the total cost of care. And those clinicians find e-consults very rewarding because it allows them to get better every single day. And that's, and that's the other very important um, nugget of, on, on how we build it, the, the system. This isn't a tool to tell primary care clinicians what to do. This is a tool to help primary care clinicians get more insights so they can make more informed decisions themselves. Um, and, that, and that aligns really well with um, value-based care. And we do work with uh, um, many of the value-based care groups across the country, including some of the ones you mentioned. Um, I saw that you had Optum Ventures as one of your um, leaders of the round of the 20 million that you've raised to create your company which is the largest PCP group in the country. So they have over 40,000 physicians, most of which are PCPs. And then uh, Kaiser Permanente, I guess, is about a little more than half that. But uh, having Optum as a partner and also as a user of the service, I suspect, um, it's got to just be great market validation that you guys are on the right track. Yes, absolutely. The, um, 
um, having Optum um, as a partner has been phenomenal. I mean, their approach to primary care is very aligned with our mission. We want to democratize access to medical expertise. They've taken the approach to um, uh, bet on primary care, ambulatory care, um, that's either in value-based care now or transitioning to value-based care. And that's why um, both organizations were so aligned and that's why the, uh, the investment made sense. And since then, since then we've um, done a lot of good work together and we are, uh, I think both organizations are getting better from, uh, from working with each other. That's great. Do you have any sense of what percentage of the physicians are using your service at a big clinic, uh, clinician group like that? Is there, are 20% using it or 50% using it? Well, generally for, and this is, this is very interesting and, and kind of stays true for pretty much every group across the country um, when they have certain size. Because um, we also have a lot of individual practices who just you know, sign up and, and use Rubicon MD and, and many of them within the uh, DPC community. But for, for large practices, you almost always have the same distribution where you have a, a third of the clinicians who are power users, love it. Um, they'll, you know, if they go somewhere else, they want to have Rubicon MD with them. Then you have another third who are um, just regular users that they, they use it, but maybe not as much because they are not 100% clinical or because their scope of practice is a bit more limited. And then you have the remaining third um, who are maybe less naturally inclined to adopt the technology, it takes a bit longer. Um, obviously, all of that is being accelerated because uh, one of the things that um, COVID-19 brought is that it, it's, it's forced pretty much every clinician in the country to have to become familiar with uh, with digital health um, solutions. So I think that will that will um, help um, keep pushing um, adoption. But overall, um, for us, our, our biggest argument is once we start getting um, great responses back to clinicians and they realize the value that it's that it's adding to their practice, to their patients and to their own um, um, learning. They um, they become they become um, regular users of um, of Rubicon MD. Well, Gil, I'm glad to hear that you guys have a good reception from D DPC Direct Primary Care. It's a natural fit to have just this panel of experts that you can tap with a 20 minute wait or two hour wait at the most to uh, get answers to complicated questions. That's that's a wonderful fit. Um, are you finding that the doctor those doctors are receptive to your offering? Absolutely. Um, DPC was um, really the first place where we started. I think it's a, a small but growing and, and certainly mighty um, group of clinicians. Um, and so that's where we, uh, we started really. Um, and they were um, innovative and early adopters. Um, and it, helped, it fits the model um, because uh, for the most part, their membership-based primary care and their incentive um, to make sure that they do the most for their patients. Um, and provide the most comprehensive support. Um, and that's what Rubicon MD can help support them on. Um, and so um, it's been very aligned um, and they've been you know, another great partner for us. Great. Well, I'm gonna ask you two gentlemen, a sort of a stumper question I ask everybody, but before I do, how can people reach you, Carlos, and then you, Gil, um, if they wanna reach out to you and uh, learn more? Sure. Um, anyone can reach out to us, um, rubiconmd.com, if you want to get more information on the company. Um, you can also feel free to um, email me directly at carlos at rubiconmd.com. 
um, if you're interested in e-consults e or supporting your primary care clinicians, would love to connect with you. Okay, great. And Gil? Yep, um, similar, similar uh, rubiconmd.com. We'll also give out um, my email, gil at rubiconmd.com, and you can find me on Twitter at, um, at Gil Addo. Great, that's A-D-D-O. Um, well, thank you. So my, my final stumper question I'd like to ask, and we didn't even get to get into the algorithm, so that's going to have to be another show, but um, let's fly a banner over America and give a simple message, and each of you gentlemen gets to decide what that message should be. What should that banner say? Huh. Uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, 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 would, I don't know how long the banner can, uh, can be. Um, but I think we've uh, we've seen through COVID um, the exacerbation of health um, health and racial disparities, um, and I think um, those are really the thing beneath the thing. And you know, for even people talk about it as a, its own crisis. And I think coming out of COVID, we will see um, a mental health crisis. Um, we will see chronic care um, really step forward and be a huge, huge issue um, in chronic care management um, and a host of other issues. So I think there is a, um, a real call to action around eliminating health disparities um, and really targeting um, ways that the healthcare system can support that. Um, so that may be a lot to put in a barrier in a in a banner, but I think it's a call to action. I think healthcare leaders really have to to step forward there. All the things we've seen around um, racism and social unrest, all the things we've seen as a um, result of COVID, um, they're all things that um, are going to lead to huge, huge costs for that healthcare system um, and things that we're going to have to collectively work to solve. I have a different take on that. I'll talk about that after I hear Carlos's banner. So I'm going to shorten your banner to go to Rubicon MD to end racial disparities and health disparities. How about that? Is that a good short one? <laughs> um, I don't know that we can end all of them, but come to us and we can certainly help. Which that's a start at least. Okay. But listen, guys, there's a ton of Hy-Vee leaguers at this company, not just these two crazy guys, but there's a lot more there. So if you can't go to this company and get smart, problems figured out by the smartest people in the world, you don't, you're not going to the right place. All right, so Carlos, what is your banner going to say? So um, the, the context for my banner is that I, I think that how we achieve transformation um, of, of healthcare in the country is through primary care. It is no secret that, and this is, there's evidence across every other system in the world where there is a robust foundation of primary care. There are, there's just better care, better population health metrics. And We've seen how effective e-consults are in supporting primary care clinicians, but at the same time, we've been frustrated with, you know, fee-for-service and business models that make it impossible to adopt solutions like this. So my banner would be addressed to anyone who is a decision maker, a policy maker, or a business person, help primary care clinicians get access to e-consults. Put the policies and the mechanisms in place so that they can do what's in the best interest of their patients. Which, which, which really dovetails in nicely. I think a lot of what's going on with the anguish in America, whether it's the labor strife or the marching on the streets or the racial strife, there's inequity to getting access to care. Even if you belong to a company, 70% of all medical bankruptcies last year were people with insurance. So it turns out 80% of people are basically functionally insured. We have a gigantic economy 
of about 70% of our uh, of Americans make less than $20 an hour. So we have an hourly economy and most of those folks maybe can afford the premium, but not the copay, maybe not the deductible. So I think a lot of this anguish is, you know, you 20% are in the treehouse of care and the other 80% of us want in and it's not right. We don't uh, want to be frozen out the rest of our life. So um, that's another show for another time. But um, I want to thank you, gentlemen. It's, it's always fun talking to smart people who can communicate well like y'all. And we'll definitely do this again um, to learn more about Rubicon MD. Thanks for having us, Rob. This is great. Looking forward to doing it again. Thank you so much. Looking forward to it. Thanks again to our sponsor, the MediSearch Institute. I want to read you a note a CEO friend of mine sent me who used them for a rare childhood disease her daughter had. Dr. Talbot's research was thorough. He provided clear paths of treatment, and he gave me access to the best physicians. I'm so grateful for his work. That's the MediSearch Institute. Thank you for listening. You want to shake things up? There's two things you can do for us. One, go to primarycarecures.com for show notes and links to our guests. And number two, help us spotlight what's working in primary care by listening on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribing, and leave us a review. It helps our megaphone more than you know. Until next episode.